I'm your host, Tim Curley, and I'm joined by my hope, Coke, Coke, blah, blah, blah. I like it. No, keep it. Beer is proof that God loves us and wants us to be happy. Welcome back to the Go to Hell podcast. Strong opinions weekly held about Christianity, the church, and beer. I'm your host, Tim Curley, and I'm joined by my host, Coke, Coke, blah, blah, blah. I like it. No, keep it. I'm joined by my co-host, Colton Pierce. Colton, how are you doing? I'm doing blah, blah, blah. Uh, <laughs> tired. I'm tired. It's been a long week. Had a, um, I think, actually, I was going to say this to you earlier and i think it's really good there's uh i just started watching welcome to Wrexham last night and um one of the owners it's rob right yes rob mahoney yeah i can't even rob 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 something insert philadelphian last name there yeah um he he talks about how when the philadelphia eagles won the super bowl that's one of the most he puts it up there it's like one of the top five moments of his life it's like goes with being my, my kids being born my um you know getting married to my wife and all that kind of stuff um because of what it means to this community he's like it's not about it's not about the team or anything like that it's about what it means for the community and and being a part of that community of uh, people that have supported them for so long and and been a part of that um that's a huge thing for him and and so this week uh, we had a rivalry game um, for water polo, and it's high school sports, you know. Um, but, you know, in fresh perspective, we sit there and we talk about, you know, high school sports don't necessarily mean anything and that kind of stuff. And especially when you're talking about water polo, it's not meaning as much as maybe, say, the football team or right. anything like that. But um, for some people, that's all they have, right? It's, uh, they don't have the ability. Some people in our town and that I work in, they're never ever going to ride up an escalator. They've never been inside an elevator. They've never been out of. They don't know what cities look like. the The pool that they know is that's it. They may sometimes go to the ocean or something like that, but sometimes they can't afford it. So, um, being a part of those sports programs and and they may never ever see a professional sports game. Um, so uh, that rivalry means something to those people. That you know that's their town and that's what they're a part of and and so we got to play that on thursday night and i thought i was going to get burnt at the stake if we lost um it was it was cutthroat it was brutal um we finished game time tied eight eight so we had to go to double overtime and we ended up winning 11 to 8 so shut them out and it's been tough um yeah it, it's just it's tough to go to that overtime. There's a lot of stress. Oh yeah. Um, I had parents yelling at me. I had kids yelling at me um, during the game. They were stressed. Um, it's only going to get more stressful. We've got playoffs this week, so just trying my best to stay calm and and do my best um, and not let things get to me or or anything like that. So. I'm good. I I just feel exhausted from the the stress that I'm under at this point. Um from 
we had and that wasn't our only double overtime game this week we yeah, had yeah, another one on week. tuesday um it's just crazy like as a coach you don't you don't think about it too much if i wouldn't have thought that it would have been so taxing on my body um to to go through that this week and and then turn around and be ready for playoffs on tuesday but it is it's the it is it's taxing like i'm just exhausted and i'm just thinking and thinking and thinking i'm i go to sleep and i'm thinking of x's and o's on a whiteboard yeah um, you know so it's just tough but it's good i'm i'm here and i'm having a good time so when i coached high school football there was a year we made the playoffs it was one of the i think it was the was it the last year i coached this is second or third to last year I coached, we went to playoffs and we went to eight overtimes and the defense I was coaching did not stop the other side. Like both sides just kept scoring. And I just, the more it went on, I just felt worse and worse, worse. Like I, I can't get a stop here. I know. I, and by the time we got to eight, I was like, I don't want to, I don't want this job anymore. This is, this is so terrible. I feel like I'm letting everybody down. So it does get stressful, but you know, the kids, if you don't care, then kids sense that. And then they got no reason to care if coach doesn't care. Of course, some kids don't care even if coach does care. So, um, but yeah. yeah, it's tough. I even had a game. We played a game two weeks ago and we were really close at the end of the first quarter. We were actually up and then the other team went on like a, eight or nine goal run on us after that and i could not do anything within my power to get my boys back on track or to make them want to finish that game and not give up or anything like that it was just it was brutal and defeating and i just felt like i was not equipped as a coach to be able to deal with that situation i felt sick to my stomach going home i just was like i i feel like i failed as a coach i, I don't know what i could have done i i don't know i i don't know they were down they were yeah i i couldn't get anything back on the rails and it was just really tough for us and for me it was just i luckily the boys the next day you know they were right as rain but that particular night it was just it was tough yeah so yeah coaching it's not it's not an easy job um what there's uh to quote the guy from Wrexham, because uh, i watched it last night uh there's three things you're guaranteed as a coach is you get hired you pay your taxes and you get sacked <laughs> and i'm like oh man when's it coming for me <laughs> They don't do that in high school sports. They usually just wait till you are like, yeah, this is probably a good time to leave. How are you? I'm fine. <laughs> Nothing new this week. No comment from Colton. All right. What are we drinking tonight? <laughs> Beer number one <laughs> is Pliny the Younger. Pliny the Younger, ladies and Colton, gentlemen. Colton had a bottle saved. 
I did. I I think it's great that we're having it on it's the show. It's aged well. Yeah, I think it's great that we're having it on the show because um, this is better than I remember. Maybe um, I just was just so we're clear. I had it five nights ago, and this is better than it was five nights ago. Mm, so this is really good. Yeah, it's really tasty. Um, so again, for those of you guys that don't know, this is a beer that we go. It's only available for two weeks out of the year. Um, we go and do our beer trip up there. It's considered the best triple IPA in the world. Again, that's up for debate if you if you're willing to debate it or whatever. But um, it is a treat. The reason why it's considered the best triple IPA in the world is that it doesn't taste anything like a triple. So you're not going there and expecting the typical triple flavors um, where it's really dense. It's really alcohol um, heavy yes. or anything like that. It's really smooth and actually that is where tim and i when we're saying that it's aged well and it's better than we remember is because this year they decided to dry hop it instead um and we all at the table we all agreed that it's good but it's not it wasn't as good as years past yeah and i was a little harsher on it than everybody else was but it was still enjoyable it's enjoyable but this is better yes so Um, i don't know if we got a different batch or what but this is really tasty and just to what you're saying, if you don't know much, you've been listening all this time, you still don't know much about IPAs, triple IPAs, uh, Sierra Nevada has one, I think called the Hoppinator, something like that. It's like 13% triple IPA and it is, the consistency of it is thick and unfortunately, uh, I, unfortunately, if you don't drink, it, it's better cold which puts you in quite a conundrum because then you want to drink it faster and drinking a 13% beer, even if it's eight ounces, because they only pour it in eight ounces. If you get it at Sierra Nevada, uh, I think you still get a full, I think you can buy a bomber of it, but it's, of course it's expected you're going to share it. But anyway, uh, the consistency of it is thicker. The just, it yep. just feels like the, density of the liquid is denser than your standard ipa and again the warmer it gets the denser it gets and like you said it has a sweet flavor and that sweet flavor is just from the level of alcohol that's still that's in in the beer so it's i in i don't mind that one but this one is just this one's trouble there's a reason why they limit the number you can drink at, at yeah there. you can have partially you- because it's they want to share and have enough for everybody who's showing up over the couple, the two or three weeks. But it's also because you can't drink four or five of them. Yeah, and you only get a 10-ounce glass. And it's 10.25% alcohol. Um, and here's the thing is that – so we said that it's lighter than triple IPAs. It's lighter than most double IPAs. Correct. Correct. Like it's – It's lighter than the double IPA we have on a weekly basis at our – favorite brewery in, in and maybe area, some so. of you are like okay well aren't you drinking ipas for this particular flavor or maybe you like it that way and that kind of stuff it yes but to have the 10.2 um and have it taste like it's like a six to yeah. a seven percent is insane um it's just so light on the palate it's delicious um they really have a genius invention with this beer whoever came up with it at Russian River, you did a phenomenal job. Um, are you looking for an elder? 
Oh no, you found another triple IPA. No, I got sorted pill. Oh, so it's it's delicious, and this is an award winning beer. <laughs> There's nothing to say about it other than that. So uh, you didn't you you're still kind of in baby duty. You're hoping to get back to Kuiya's on Fridays for a beer. Yeah. On the way home, uh, maybe next week or in the next couple of weeks. So two, three episodes ago, I think we still have not dropped that episode. We shared a beer called Hoppin' on the One. It, it was a collab. It is a collab between Belching Beaver and Alt- Altamont Brewing Company. With the Nelson hops, right? With the New Zealand hops. And you and I both did not like it. We drank it on the show for the first time. Did not like it. And uh, I had a four-pack. And so you asked me what I was going to do with the the other two cans. So I took them down to Kauia yesterday. Oh, my gosh. So I opened up one can at the table with our usual group of people. And they were all just disgusted by it. We didn't even get through the entire can. They're like, nope, (laughs) you can go throw that in the trash or something. So I took... I took either that can or the second can into the main room of the tap room and I handed it off to some of our mutual friends, one of which is Wes, who's a fire fire chief in Tulare. And I just, I handed him the can and said, hey, try this. And just was like, hey, yeah, yeah. And so I'm sure they were all expecting like, this is spectacular. Come back over and it's been long enough at the other conversations have started at our table that I've forgotten that I've foisted this can of ass on other people. (laughs) And sorry, folks, but I gotta be, I gotta actually say what says to tell the full humor of it. Wes shows up all of a sudden, just out of nowhere, doesn't even like wait for our conversation to stop and says, what the fuck is that? <laughs> that tastes like gasoline and burnt tires. <laughs> he was angry. He was so angry. And I said, oh, you didn't like that? He goes, no. Why would you give that to somebody else? And I said, because I already had a can and I don't want to drink anymore. <laughs> His wife was like, I could smell it from here. She's like two people over, and she's like, I can smell it from here. It smelled terrible. <laughs> so I spent the next two hours foisting that on any of the regulars I could find. I gave it to John. I gave it to Sonny. And everyone was like, this is terrible. <laughs> oh, man. It's like the one time that Kawia decided to make a pickle beer. Remember that? Yes. <laughs> and then we asked Nolan to just take a shot of it. <laughs> He's so trusting. So <laughs> that provided a lot of humor on for my day yesterday. <laughs> That's awesome. Sorry, Nolan, about the pickle beer. <laughs> Our buddy Nolan hates pickles, and they brewed a pickle beer one night. Um, <laughs> And they brought us out tasters and they were like, um, the bartender at the time was like Josh, right? It was Josh. Yeah. And Josh comes over and he brings us all tasters and he's like, he's like, here, taste this. And, I, and Josh 
the Josh actually sometimes gives us tasters. Um, right. And so he brings it over and I take a smell of it and I was like, no, <laughs> I was like, no, whatever that is, I'm not putting it in my, in my mouth. And I was like, I, that, I was like, that has a very, very distinct smell. Like I was like, I know that smell. And like, it took me like probably like a couple minutes and Josh is like looking at us and he's like, he's waiting for Eric or, um, or Tim to try it. And did you end up trying it or no? Because no, once I, I think I waited out long enough. And then once he said pickles, I'm like, I can't. And I, I hate, yeah, I, I was hate, like, I hate pickles. I'm yeah, I waited. And that. then I was like, I was like, it's pickles. It's pickle juice. You have pickles in this. And he was like, yeah, you got it. And I was like, no, I'm not drinking that. That's disgusting. And so we like poured it all. Like we poured our three tasters into like one glass or something and in here comes nolan unsuspecting <laughs> nolan walking up from his truck he's like doo, doo, doo. you know just had a long day's work blah 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 and i say hey shoot this and i hand him the thing and he tosses it back and he's like oh that's awful why would you give that to me and i was like oh it's pickles and he's like you know i hate pickles and honestly i had forgotten and i do feel bad nolan i really do i did know that you hated pickles and he was like I'm going to go throw up. I'll be back. And literally like went and threw up behind the, I was like, that's terrible. So we've had some times like that at Kuya. So, (laughs) but that's funny. Gasoline and burnt tires. Gasoline and burnt tires. He was very adamant. And uh, I think Eric verified one of the two. He's like, no, yeah, I could see the burnt tires or the gasoline. I think it was the burnt tires. Yeah, I could, I, I, I could see the burnt tires. So, of course, our friend Nick was a bit new, more nuanced because no beer I think Nick's ever had is terrible. He was just like, hmm, yeah. Then he started explaining the pro- the brewing process as to why it tasted like that. They cooked the New Zealand hops too long or they cooked the New Zealand hops, period, which you don't normally do. Or well, just so we're clear, tell like, people okay. to stop doing that because that's not the first time on a New Zealand hop that I've yeah, I just run said, across I, that. I said I'm, ba- I'm basically over New Zealand hops because it's kind of 50-50 on whether or not I like Yeah, I don't, I don't even want to try them anymore. No. If I see New Zealand on anything or, you know. Because um, the only thing we've not liked at Dust Bowl also is heavy on New Zealand hops. Yeah, but we've never had a problem with West of Nelson, right, or East of no, Nelson. No, that one's done well. But there, I think there was another one they had. And there's a couple. The tap room. There's a couple, but I got to be honest, it's not worth doing anymore. No, it's like not. it's it's just it's not there's worth a the risk. Flavor profile is just. It's not worth the risk. Burnt tires. Yeah. This, however, younger is not so. No, delicious. So we got Halloween this week. Yeah, we do. What are your thoughts on Halloween? Well, wait. Did you not want to talk about what we're listening to this oh, week? Just yeah, to, that's true, that's just true. to round off, you know, our, our warm-ups. Oh, boy. Am I listening to anything interesting? Well, what have you been listening to? I just wanted to say what I listened to on my way over here because put me in a real good mood. Like I said, I've been, I've been really stressed. Um, I think that sometimes there's just... Sometimes there's songs or there's musicians that can take you out of funks and stuff. I think music has a, has a really strong, powerful way of doing that. Um, you know, whether it's nostalgia or um, maybe the message or whatever can make you do that stuff. And so, and, and honestly, to revisit our conversation that we had had about 
music. I think sometimes that is that way for people with worship music, even if it's sitting there and it's just saying the same thing over and over again, it's cheesy and that kind of stuff. If If it spoke to you in a specific time or whatever, that song can have immense amount of power for you. Um, and so the song that I listened to on the way over here was actually, it, it reminds me, and you know this, but every time I go fishing, I listen to John Denver. So, um, I listen to sunshine on my shoulders on my way here, um, which is top three John Denver songs yeah. of all time. Um, and it, again, it's 70 degrees outside. It's gorgeous. It's fall. It's a nice fall, fall day. Um, and I always listen to John Denver whenever I go fishing. Um, and it's just simple times, simple, simple stuff. And I actually, just so we're clear, I've decided to give up calling fishing, fishing for me. It's actually just casting. Um, <laughs> is that because of the lack of success or because yep, you yep, throw the fish back? 110% is the <laughs> lack of success. I don't think I caught a single fish last year, but just so we're, and I went every weekend for like three or four months. Um, and the, which is crazy because I I fished in this lake my entire life and I I've caught fish, but last year I was like I don't know what's wrong with me, um, and like some people are determined when they go fishing they're like I'm gonna go and you know I'm a fish until I catch one or five or whatever you know those are the people that are maybe they're like my I gotta feed my kids you know off of this fish for me it was a good opportunity my wife and I talked about it where. You know, she was like, go, go spend an hour or two at the lake. And so I'd go to the lake for an hour or two. It's only about 20 minutes from my house, 25 minutes from my house. And so I'd go and I'd, and I'd cast, um, for about 20, 25 minutes or not 20, 25 minutes. I'd go cast for about two hours. Never catched anything apparently. Um, but it was good and I had a great time, um, I bring friends with me sometimes like I brought Eric. He read a book. I brought Alec. He'd fish with me. I brought my wife one time um, and it was good. It's just there's just something about it. Just just sitting there by the lake, um, just casting your rod out and listening to John Denver um, the whole while. So um, just a simpler time and it's and it de-stresses me a lot. So it's great. But yeah. How about you, Tim? Listening to anything? So, <laughs> kind of go. It's not the polar opposite of John Denver. He's listening to death metal. Yeah, that's why I would say <laughs> it's not the polar opposite because I can't stand <laughs> death metal. But it's close. So, uh, we went to Kuwait last night. Obviously, we've been talking about that the last couple minutes. And then when we were done, uh, our friends Eric and Connor and Andy... Friend of the show, Andy, came over to my place to smoke some more cigars and drink some beer. And uh, so I have speakers set up in the uh, gazebo that we have in the backyard. Um, so I, I've i never asked Andy this, but I would. He, he seems his favorite music seems to be grunge. So I was like, what does everyone listen to? No one really said anything. Oh, no, that's not true. What does everyone want to listen to? And Eric said, Euro Trash Girl. So if you're not familiar with Euro Trash Girl, it's like this eight-minute song. When it originally came out on the album by the band Cracker, uh, it was buried. It's like track 89 or something on the CD. So it's one of those things that if you don't leave the CD running, you never would find it. I don't even think it wasn't listed on the 
CD liner notes. Uh, anyway, it's a fantastic song. Eric didn't know it existed until our uh, beer marathon trip to San Diego, and I played it in the car, and he was like, this song's amazing. So I played that. Oh, and then Annie blew his mind by saying that the lead singer for Cracker is Camper Van Beethoven, which Eric did not know either. So uh, anyway, so I we played that, and then I then proceeded because Cracker came out about this a little bit after, but about the same time I started playing grunge. So we were listening to grunge last night. Some Alice in Chains, some Mother Love Bone, some uh, Jane's Addiction, Pearl Jam, etc., etc. So that's awesome. The dreary night, the dreary music of the '90s, the counter lever to the uh fun of hairband music so uh other than that earlier in the week i was listening kind of the same stuff i've been listening to recently so but that that listened to that last night so that was fun um all right halloween now we can get to halloween we'll wait hold on one more time to break things up just because you said uh, you were listening to the polar opposite of um, uh, of John Denver, um, and that just got my mind racing a little bit. Did you see uh, Chad Smith uh, do the cover of um, – you know who Chad Smith is? No. The drummer for the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Oh, yeah. Uh, did you see him do the cover of the 30 Seconds to Mars song? No. Oh, so um, – so there's a there's a channel which which has a famous drummer on it. It's Brandon uh, Toe or T O E W. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Tui. Tui. Sure. <laughs> Touche. Stanley Touche. Um, touchy. It's Stanley Touchy. Stanley uh, Tucci. Anyways, uh, he has a thing where he gets famous drummers and he gets them to play just to show their talent level. He gets them to listen to a song um, for the first time and he has them play um, with it. Um, and you'll, you'll see amazing stuff that comes from um, them and you can see how really talented they are in on the set and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so Chad Smith's video kind of went viral because he just listened to the song for probably like, he listened to uh, this 30 Seconds to Mars song for about 20 seconds, and then he goes into it, um, and he plays it like pretty spot on to exactly what it is. But um, Megadeth, which is a band, had a drummer come on to the show, and he was asked to play the Killers' Mr. Brightside. Oh. Um, and what's crazy is that he did a halftime breakdown um, instead. So if you listen to it, it's kind of weird, but it's – I, I still think I like the original better, but it, there's this really kind of fun element that he just kind of does this halftime breakdown during um, – he doesn't do it for the chorus, so he, he's pretty much on beat for the chorus for normal Mr. Brightside. But during the verses, he's doing a halftime breakdown, um, and it's kind of fun uh, to see uh, just kind of this different style. And again, they, they're listening to the song, but it has no drum track. Um and so he's doing the whole thing um and he had never listened to that song before and it's it's a lot of fun i'd highly recommend checking out his uh channel or anything and again this is just something that just went on a tangent just based off of the fact that you said that you were listening to something other than uh or the complete opposite of john denver yeah like oh yeah i forgot to tell you because there was something that i was thinking about where i was like i think that you would enjoy some of these videos yeah no absolutely uh so if you're really interested in music and i think drummers are 
extremely intelligent um that they're musical geniuses with the way that they're able to do the, well they the are because a lot of the way they record music in the studio is they have to lay down the track you know we do, we hear the finished product yes they lay down the drums with it with no they just play the drums right and then everyone else comes in and follows up with the bass and the guitar and that always just seems counterintuitive to me uh I actually prefer when they the whole band plays like a live jam session in the studio, but that's just not how they do it. I'm sure there's very good reasons why they can probably get better sound that way and whatnot. But yeah, just to sit there and be like, okay, we're going to play this song. So lay down the drums. Yeah. And it's great. And actually what's really cool about the Megadeth one when you're seeing it, uh, he listens to the song all the way through the first time and he's taking notes. He's listening for buildups. He's listening for whatever. And he's taking notes of how it is. Um, and if you watch the Chad Smith one, he'll be like, Oh, it's in three. He's like, it's in three. That's weird. And so he'll like, and so he starts going right after he's like, okay, it's in three. Um, and what's crazy is that he is, his Chad Smith's is so cool because again, you know, that it's his first time listening to this song. He has no idea. Like, even when he's done, they're like, have you ever listened to that song before? And he's like, no, it's like some emo shit or something. I don't, I have no idea what that is. Um, but he is, he knows when the buildups are happening. Like, it's, mm. it's almost like instinctive where he's just like, all right, the way the singer is about to go, the way the guitars are going, like, and then, you know, when it gets quiet, he like, he brings it down and stuff, but like right on time. And it's just insane for somebody to be able to do that on the first try. It's it's so cool. Highly recommend checking out. Chad Smith's video went way more viral than the Megadeth drummers did, but it's still kind of this fun thing um, to go see. There's so. a funny legend in rock music, uh, the band Joy Division, which then became New Order. I think at this point they were New Order, were recording in Manchester, and they had this very eclectic but genius uh uh producer yeah and he could not whatever sound he had in his mind for the drums could not get in the studio so he takes the drummer up onto the roof of the studio building and sets up a microphone because i think he wanted like a really flat sound and again in a studio it's hard to get and he didn't want it like manufactured so he just puts him up there and he's like just start playing like you just want me to play yeah just just keep just play and they forgot about it. It, it supposedly they like he just kept stayed up there playing drums for hours recording and they forgot about him downstairs <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> well actually i know who that producer is uh and i remember his famous line of he came out and he was like i got a fever <laughs> and the only prescription is more cowbell <laughs> Also, Jimmy Fallon, if you ever listen to this podcast someday, I want you to know, I don't, you cannot hold a straight face to save your life. <laughs> He's so bad at holding a straight face that I, after a while I was like, is this real? You, you can't be this earnest and so nice. It's just... He's so terrible. He's so terrible. I'm like, how? I mean, he's he's very he he can do stuff off the cuff, one hundred percent, and that's why he's able to do that. But I think that most of the time, and most of his skits that he had on SNL was people were laughing at the fact that he was laughing more sure. than they were laughing at the sketch. He couldn't. He literally would have to hide 
You know who's also really bad at it too, though, is uh, although he's not on there anymore, uh, was Pete Davidson. Oh, okay. Pete Davidson would always – he's like he can't keep it together. Uh, so the, both of those guys who are both really famous from SNL, they could not not laugh. And, well, to Jimmy's credit, though, he did have to deal with Will Ferrell the entire yes, time. Because <laughs> Will Ferrell would target Jimmy. Well, <laughs> that's, what ha- that's, that's, that's what happens is once – once they know there's a snickerer, then, then there's like a script and then there's not a script. And I'm going to do whatever I have to to get you to lose it on live television. The Carol Burnett show had that problem. Carol Burnett and Harvey Corman could easily lose it. And there was a third guy. Damn it. I can't remember his name. And he was genuinely just hilarious. But he was also very good at like. Once he knew he had him, then he would just take it to like not to ten, but like twelve, just so they would lose it in this in the skit. That's why I love the casual Friday skit from uh, yeah. SNL. Just he shows up with like what that American thong or whatever. <laughs> the, oh my gosh! Or there's the one, there's the one where they're like fashionistas or something. The uh, Jimmy Fallon and I can't remember who the other guy was that was with him. Um, and they, they're already cracking up throughout the entire skit with the way that they're acting. And then Will Ferrell rides in on this, like, this, like, granny, like, you know, little motorbike thingy onto the stage and just cruises up and then just stands up. And literally Jimmy Fallon cannot handle it. <laughs> there was a – so back when Ferrell was on, there was a guy – who's the guy that he did the – it was it was a short uh, Chris Kattan. Chris Kattan. That's who it was. When Chris Kattan was on there, Chris Kattan had a. a You're talking a, about the night of the Roxbury Crew, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Chris Kattan had a character where he played like a human monkey, and it was the most absurd character. It was it was so dumb. Please don't tell me he did blackface for this. No, he did no blackface, <laughs> but he would. He was very adept at taking an apple in his mouth, and then like eating it. Like eating a lot of the apple to where half of it's going in his mouth, but the other pieces are like flying around. <laughs> and then he'd like discard the apple really quickly. And then he'd like, he'd always like smack his hands together and make some strange, funny noise. But that skit just basically became like, what famous person can we have endure this stupid <laughs> skit and see how long they stand until? And Clara Danes was on, I think it was her and Will Farrell. And Catan like do, starts doing it and is getting like apple all over both of them. And not only does Clara Danes lose it, but Will Ferrell actually loses <laughs> it too. That's impressive. <laughs> That's impressive because that guy like barely breaks. Yeah. <laughs> all right, we can get on to Halloween okay, now. Halloween. Well, wait, hold on. I gotta go get a beer. Are you? Where are you at? I want you to. I, enjoy, finish this. I want you. No, 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 no. Don't rush it. I had I had started drinking from the second I poured it. So, I are there Coors banquets in the fridge? There's a there's a plethora out there. It, there's a smorgasbord of beer out there. Pick whatever. Um, just gonna go with a nice oak aged lager from Oktoberfest from Firestone. Um, so. 
uh, something nice and light before we move on to our West Coast IPA from Alesmith after this. So, All right. All Hallows' Eve. All Hallows' Eve. And I thought about doing some research about the holiday, but I could give I don't really give a damn. What are your thoughts about Halloween? I I I I'm ambivalent. I have mixed thoughts about Halloween. Should I should I go first and then you react to what I have to say? Um, I think that I'll say something just before you get started. Of just there is something to celebrate on Halloween. If uh, for any Christians out there that think that there's nothing to celebrate, um, and you think that it's just a pagan holiday. Interesting. Yeah. Um. It is on Halloween that Martin Luther uh, nails his 99 theses to the door. Interesting. It is on Halloween that he does that. So um, that is the that is the Protestant split. So uh, if uh, from the Catholic Church, it's Which not he did not intend. No, no, no. Uh, so if you are sitting there and you're thinking like, oh, so this is there's divisiveness from this. No, there were changes that needed to happen to the Catholic Church. Correct. Um, where people were saying that kids were guaranteed uh, salvation by how much money their parents gave to the church kind of stuff where you'd be like, what? No, that's not true. And I was like, yes, you're absolutely right. That's not biblically true. There was that. There was rich people being able to wash away their sins, whether it be adultery or whatever, with indulgences. Uh there was just, and then just general right, bastard, shit. Ba- bastardizations of the faith that had happened after. Shit that Jesus would have literally flipped tables for. Correct. Um, and you and I would have both agree that the same has happened to the Protestant church over half a millennia. Right. So a, a thousand years ago, believe it or not, that is something that you can sit there and say, this happened and it's worth celebrating. Not a thousand years. No. Five, 500 years. 500 years. There we go. I was like, sorry. Um, that is something to sit there and say, oh, well, that's a good thing that happens on Halloween. And so you can be a part of it and you can dress up and celebrate for that. (laughs) All right, go ahead, Tim. All right. I want to just stipulate. I think I've said this before. One of my frustrations with modern society, and when I say that, I don't necessarily mean that this is only a part something that modern society uh, deals with. It might have been something that just has kind of always been a thing, but I would say in particular, from I think it's gotten worse. We are not allowed to have be of two minds on on issues. We're either all in on one or the other. We we expect puritanism on issues so i'm of two minds on halloween when i was a kid halloween was pretty much just the kids kids holiday there was no there weren't adult costume parties there weren't any of that so and (laughs) i wish it would go back to that i don't like that it's been taken over by adults um when I still lived in LA, in Los Angeles, LA. in LA, uh, I even as a single guy, I got really tired of Halloween being the night where girls could dress up like Playboy bunnies or other some kind of slutty thing and be like, "Oh, you know, this is my night to do that." It's like either don't dress like a tramp or, or do. 
Um, so I don't like that adults have taken over the uh, the how the holiday. I also don't like that it's become. I think it's leaned a lot into the dare I say kind of demonic side of the world. It's gotten a little too lean, too much into the the ghosts and all that kind of more than it used to be, like when it was kids. Um, so I'm not thrilled with the holiday. Now that said, I've just I have just said that I'm not thrilled with adults celebrating it. Call me a hypocrite. I have gone to adult. My wife and I have been to adult costume parties, and we've done that kind of thing and i don't begrudge anybody who does um i don't lose any sleep at night when i haven't been invited to a party in a couple of years because the party we were going to was getting a little little risque for us um but so i'm not a big fan of it that said my wife and i have bought a shit ton of candy and we bought a shit ton of candy to take to our church for the trunk or treat thing they're going to do. And she and I are going to sit on our front lawn on Tuesday night when there's Halloween and give out a ton of candy very happily to kids because I think that's all it should be. We don't do, I don't do decorations for Halloween either inside the house or outside of the house. I don't, I, I think that's part of it. It's just, it's become like a, a I guess if I'm really being honest, what bugs me is it's like become a competition for Christmas. And I, I'm uneasy with that. And maybe I shouldn't. But I do. Like I, when I see neighbors, the neighbors who I know go all in for Halloween stuff on their yard. There's like $500 worth of, you know, scary stuff on the front yard. And I know when Christmas comes around, there's nothing out there. That bothers me doesn't bother me enough to go tell them they're terrible people or anything but it's just like that that's kind of weird um but even the ones who go all in for halloween and they also go all in for christmas it's just like i don't know as a christian i just don't think that we should be celebrating the two as much as we are and i know part of this is just madison avenue selling holidays because that is a thing valentine's day has become a thing because madison avenue sold it Frankly, sorry, moms, so is Mother's Day. It's another excuse to sell Christmas cards and candy for candy companies and sell gifts that people normally wouldn't buy. You know, we've just, as Americans, we've settled, we've created a thing where like every two months we have to go all out and spend money like it's Christmas. And so, I don't know. So, not a big fan of Halloween. I could take it or leave it. Uh, so for me, um, I think I've always grown up. I mean, what, uh, Mean Girls came out when I was seven, eight. Oh, yeah. Uh, what, in Mean Girls, uh, one of the quotes from Lindsay Lohan is, Halloween is the one night a year where girls can dress up like sluts and not be judged. Exactly. Um, <laughs> That's right. And she says the hardcore girls just wear lingerie and, uh... <laughs> Which also, just so we're clear, uh, I forgot about that quote. I, I that whole part of that movie. One hundred percent 
think that every I well maybe not a teenage I I think that there is a lot that teenage girls could learn from watching the movie Mean Girls. I totally agree. I think there is a lot to learn from watching that movie because I think it is a picture perfect uh, depiction of kind of the status symbol that go. I, and I mean, like you could sit there and say, "Well, the Breakfast Club does that," or you could say, "Whatever does this." Oh, I think the I'm Breakfast saying, Club does as well. Yeah, one hundred percent. It's different. It's, I, it's a different picture of America. Breakfast Club is about how kids in the in the eighties had absent parents every one of those kids it has an absent parent whether it be the two poor kids the two middle class kids and the two rich kids their parents are all either absent or uh in the case of the estevez kid uh what's it no it wasn't estevez yeah it was emilio estevez his dad's like you know too much into wrestling um but most of the other kids just like mom and dad just you know aren't they're not around they provide like for the rich for like molly ringwald they provide she's got a nice car she's got all the clothes she wants to wear yeah um but they're not around yeah and on, like i said i think that that's a good depiction i think that 16 candles has a has a lot to say about um all of the john hughes films all of the john hughes co- comedies at their heart are about kids with absent parents like Ferris Bueller, John Hughes film. Parents are in the movie, but the depiction of the parents is they're both dumb shits who have no idea what's going on with both their son and daughter, even though they're around. They're but they're just oblivious to what actually is going on. So yes. that actually it's Ferris Bueller's day off that is the inspiration for Phineas and Ferb, for anybody that didn't know. Um because one Oh of really? Them, I well, didn't know that. I don't know that for a fact, but they have the uptight sister who's always trying to rat on him yeah, um, and go. say that he's not trustworthy, and he's got this brother who's wild and crazy who just wants to go do fun and gets things or whatever. Him. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Mean Girls and uh, Easy. Oh, Easy A. One Easy A. I think both are those, of those, those are two movies are, are those movies of this time. Yeah, I think that those ones are ones that you can learn a lot from about. The high school aspect of and actually i like that they're told well i guess 16 16 candles is told from a girl's perspective but um i really enjoyed the that there is there's something to be said about mean girls and the message that it's trying to present and the same thing to be said about easy a um and so i think that every teenager should watch that i think that every teenage girl should watch that with their mom I think that that's something that they should do where they just sit there and they watch it and the mom can sit there and be like, yep, yep, yep. You know, Um, it's like, this is how it is. This is the truth. This is this is reality. Um, And what's crazy is that probably most of the girls, even if they watched it, they're like, it would go completely over their heads. But maybe 10 years down the line, they're like, oh, my gosh, that's that's how it works. You know, that's that's the reality of it. and I think that there's things for guys to learn from those as well, right? Like Easy A especially where I wish that that there's something to be said about is that sex is a status symbol for guys. And that's a message that's very much presented in um, Easy A where um, they are.
um where you know there's you know they're they're willing to pay for this and, and do all that kind of stuff to earn this status symbol kind of stuff and and yes i i'm not sitting there and thinking that that was okay or whatever but understanding that these these are social norms that exist within uh the realms of high school and honestly your early 20s and even your late 20s yeah right? like these are these are things that mean things um during those time periods um and so that's why i when you were talking about girls dress up as sluts i was like yeah i was like <laughs> so when i was growing up that was already a thing so parents it, so the tim talked about there was not it was a kid's holiday by the time that i had grown up and it had already been a, an adult holiday right. for a while um and i stopped dressing up when i was a kid in the fourth grade um i just was over it i think the packers were playing the vikings on monday night football uh when i was in the fifth grade and i was like yeah i'd rather do that i'd rather watch that game than i'd then go and watch uh or then go and trick-or-treat right um so and what was funny was my little sister was young and my parents were like okay so they took my sister who was older than me and my little sister they took my older sister and my little sister and they took them trick-or-treating around the neighborhood and i just stayed home and just watched football uh, and handed out candy to people who knocked on the door as a fifth grader <laughs> like you know um and you guys are like, maybe some of you who are listening to this are like, they just leave you at home or whatever. And it's like, I don't know. That's that's how it was in my neighborhood. So, um, so I've always never been big on the dressing up. I'm not huge into a lot of that kind of stuff. It's just not a part of my personality. So I don't want to go buy costumes. I think I, I just, I feel comfortable in my own skin. I, I don't want to dress up as somebody else or, or anything else i i've just never been attracted to that there's no i don't find fun in that or anything like that so i'm kind of a debbie downer um about that kind of stuff if i ever go to a halloween party or something i'm usually wearing street clothes that i've modified and i'll say yeah this is what i am and people <laughs> are like you're lame um it's like okay but meanwhile your dress is adam sandler so i don't know what to do about right. that you know um so I've never really been into it, um, but some people really enjoy it. They they like being somebody other than themselves for the evening, something other than what they normally wear, and that's really great for them. And I, more power to you if if that's what you like and that's what you're into. Okay, um, I think that I have no issues with that or anything. It's just it's just not for me. Um, onto the issue of it being a consumeristic uh, holiday. Um, or a consumer's holiday. Yeah, I think that's just holidays in the United States. Yeah, um, I mean, that's the problem with Christmas. Christmas yeah, it's like Christmas is a consumer. Like Christmas is a consumer's holiday. Um, I was like, we have no problem with you celebrating Christmas, but do you need all the crap on your lawn and all over your house? And do you need all the stuff in your house? Do you need um, to go and out buy gifts for other people? You got to have the better gift um, than other people do. Try to up one-up people on that kind of stuff um and don't sit there and tell me that it's for jesus and you've got santas all over your house like right i'm like i don't really get that a reindeer or whatever whatever your choice or topic is like that's totally fine i don't judge you for it but i'm just saying like i 
again, we've been over this is I can't sit there and justify spending all that money on all that kind of stuff and, and feel okay. I have not buy, bought a crap ton of candy. Um, since COVID and trick or treats really died down and we don't really have anything in our area. My daughter is way too young to go trick or treating right now. So, um, that's not something that we're looking to do. And plus I've got a water polo game that day. So, um, <laughs> that's right. yeah, I'm not, we're not consumeristic about how I, my parents never decorated for it growing up. My wife, when we started, when we were married and my wife wanted to start decorating for things when we were moved out of my parents' house um, and we were, we were able to decorate for holidays, I told her, I was like, hey, I don't mind us decorating for Halloween, but actually what we decorate for is we just decorate for fall. Right. We don't decorate for Halloween. Sure, because that leads into Thanksgiving and all that. Yeah, so yeah. we do. So we do pumpkins around our house. Right. They're just and not like jack o' lanterns or anything right. like that. They're just they're just pumpkins, just gourds or whatever, just hanging around the house. It's just we decorate for fall. We don't decorate for Halloween. Yeah. Um. So we're still festive and in the mood, but we don't we don't put giant spiders outside of our house. We don't try to scare anybody or anything like that. Um. We just set it up. And it works out really well for us. Um, and, and that's what I would prefer um, personally because it's just like I – and this kind of leads into your topic of I don't really lean into the whole goblins and ghouls and, you know, the demonic stuff or whatever um, that people want to be a part of. I think that there's scary stuff out there. Um, and I'm just – I've never been into scary things. Like I don't watch scary movies. You can sit there and be like, oh, this is – and and I – understand that there's people out there that love that stuff and and that's great uh it's just not for me um yeah i and there was something funny when uh i had my honors kids they all had to take these i had them take book quizzes um where they had to there's a there's a website out there that has you take like a personality test for your books um for your book preferences and I have lots of kids all over. There's like this true crime kind of stuff all throughout my classroom where, you know, these kids are into scary stuff. They want, they want, they want to know who, who done it or whatever, or they want to see the blood and all that kind of stuff. And really for me, when I took the personality test, like all that stuff was, I'm really actually an adventure novelist. So my thing is I want people to go out on an adventure and have a good time and, you know, like all that kind of stuff and grow and develop as a, as a group and so I know that about myself. I'm very much a happy person. Um, and so I just don't lean into those dark things. I don't think it's worth my time to sit there and watch a movie for two hours and be scared. I'm like, I, and especially when there's no, there's no positive. I mean, there's positive messages at the end of Frankenstein for sure. Well, actually, I mean, it's pretty bleak. I, there's a message that we're supposed to learn from Frankenstein. Yeah. Um, but there's... Uh, this idea where it's just you know and like i've watched scary movies some like occasionally like friends are all like oh let's watch it and i'm like what did we gain from this you know like other than the fact that we were just we were on edge like even when people are like i'm not scared and i'm like okay you're not scared but what 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 was gained from watching this movie did we did we get a message from this or like there was one that i watched once where it was like the neighbors come over and just basically torture this couple um and they get away with it like like i think the last one of the last scenes is like one of the guys who's been torturing the the 
the guy is already dead and they're like sticking a knife into the girl and she's like why are you doing this to us and they're like because we're bored and then they like just walk down the street like that's it there we go okay yeah i was like why was this uncomfortable and unsettling for two hours just for this you know what i'm saying like okay wow that's just nihilistic yeah exactly so i'm like why 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 would i sit there and watch that that's not for me personally not for me um and you could sit there and say well everything in life doesn't have a happy ending and i'm like that's fair i watched saving private ryan that doesn't have a happy ending you know but well and i don't want to watch it again but i'd still (laughs) but no but there's a redeeming right exactly but there's there's some lesson to be found or redeeming there's no redeeming from that like no that's my problem with most of these the horror movies is it's just it's an excuse to get scared or or and i just like you i'm like i don't feel one i don't i have no attraction to like getting having something jump out at me on television and there's just this primal reaction like (gasps) and like even though i know it's about to happen and then two i think it does yeah i don't a couple a couple episodes ago and we did i think it took we dealt with two episodes where we were trying to we were dealing with the demonic and the spiritual world and you and i were trying to do our best to admit that we don't talk about it a lot but also admit that it's there and this is one of those things where I very much do recognize that it's there. And I think the American obsession with the Saw movies and all the other horror movies is just, it's desensitizing us to the fact that, no, this kind of level of depravity that's not somebody's got a chemical imbalance or a terrible childhood, like they're literally just evil people, maybe even also demonically possessed, where it desensitizes to that. When I heard stuff, and I mean, I've heard, and and again, maybe I just can't get over my part of just like, I don't really like being scared. I, it's just not, it's not a feeling that I personally enjoy because we had, uh, <laughs> Because we had, um, or because the Jordan Peele movies, the the scary movies, like oh, yeah. Us or, right, it's Us. It's Us, yeah. And what was the other one? Get Out? No. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah Get, Get out. out. Those ones apparently have like a message to them and that kind of stuff. And so like, I don't want to take away from that, but I'm just like, it's not something that I want to be a part of. Like, I, I don't want to watch that. Like, I can't. I can't get through it. I'm I'm fully supportive of the messages that they have about the, you know, with the African-American community and all that kind of stuff that he, he was getting at and that kind of stuff that I've read about. I, I didn't watch nor try to experience that because, again, it's just not how I want a theme presented to me. Right. <laughs> um, like, yeah, And I've read horror um, before. Uh, I've read famous horror novels and that kind of stuff. But horror and fiction is completely different. Um, horror and fiction is... A lot of, and I don't read true crime. I'm not trying to read that. Um, I like trusting people. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I seriously, I, I told my wife, she was like, she would watch these 
there's this girl who does true crime and like a makeup tutorial. And so my wife would be sitting there doing her makeup and she listens to this girl who would just talk about these horrible things that in reality, which I get that there are really messed up people out there in the world. But golly, if I, if I heard that every day, I would not trust people. Right. I wouldn't open my, I wouldn't trust to open my door to my house. You know, like I'd be afraid to open it um, with that kind of stuff. Like it's just insane where I'm like, I like to see the good in people um, because I think that that's what we're supposed to do. Um, I, we need to trust people. And even if it goes poorly for us in that trust for people, it's still what we are called to do as Christians. And so I don't like not being able to trust people. And so my wife, again, that's what she listens to. And I'm like, I can't listen to that. That That's going to that's gonna ruin me. Um, and it's terrible. And my wife tells me things sometimes where I'm like, great, now I feel anxiety about that. And I was like, <laughs> awesome. I And things that I never even thought about before or whatever, where I'm like, okay, great. Now, now when you tell me that you're going to the grocery store, I'm afraid that somebody's going to follow you to your car and steal our child. You know, like, because she was like, yeah, my sister got, got, um, like a guy came up while she was putting her kids away at, um, at Target and he came and like started knocking on the windows and tried to get into their car, um, after she had put her kids away. And that was just in Tulare where we live. And I'm like, great. Now I feel really great about sending you to Target sometime with, uh, our kids. Like, I'm <laughs> like, that's awesome. Um, you know, and yes, I understand that those are realities, but it's just, ugh, it's so tough. I don't like hearing about that kind of stuff. It's just not for me. I don't, I don't want that ever. So. My wife's been listening to some true crime stuff and she finally had to stop because it was making it hard for her to sleep and some other things. So, and she, th there was another story she was telling me, she was retelling me something she'd been listening on the way to, uh, to and from work. And she was telling me this, like going all the details and we were, I think we were driving to church to teach our financial class and she just and i at one point just said i that's enough i don't i don't want to hear anymore this is just this is just there's too much i, I don't need to hear like that there's this kind of stuff going on in the world completely agree um yeah it's gross and atrocious um so i think that there are those elements of halloween that i don't stand with if you are possibly sitting there at home and you are thinking that you don't agree with Halloween and the activities that are conducted because you believe that it's a satanic holiday or something along those lines um, because it was once a pagan holiday, just so we're clear, the Christian calendar as far as all of the holidays that we follow are all around pagan holidays. Correct. So, um, the Catholic Church originally decided what the dates of a lot of these holidays were um, because they wanted... Uh, one, their participants to not be participating in the pagan holiday that was currently going on, but also to coincide with it. So a lot right. of them were about – so like there's evidence that points to the fact that Jesus was not born on Christmas. Um, there's evidence that points that he was born in the spring because the shepherds would not have been out when um, – during that time, blah, 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 blah. There is lots of different stuff and um, that is – going on somewhere along our calendars as far as Christian holidays. Um, and so if you're sitting there and saying this Santanic, it's like, okay, then go say that about Christmas. Go say that about, you know, uh, about a couple of different holidays. So uh,
I think that parents should focus on not necessarily – I would discourage you from leaning into the the ghouls and the goblins kind of thing um, or the de- demonic kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, Be mindful of what your kids want to dress up as or, or – Yeah, 100%. Decorations you put out if you want to do decorations. 100%. Um, Also, like, understand that, you know, uh, I'm not saying, like, go through the history. Uh, I think that there are things that we can take back from historical perception. So if you're sitting there and you're like, okay, so the jack-o'-lantern and you do enough history on it and you're like, okay, this was something that witches would use to mark their house or whatever um, was a carved pumpkin. Um, that's okay. Um, you can sit there and say, well, that's not what we're using it for. We're using it to be festive and have a good time just because, uh, some, some medicine woman from 300, 500 years ago decides to use this as something doesn't mean that that's what we use it for today. Um, so keep your, I would say, keep your mind open about that kind of stuff. Um, nobody, again, nobody is thinking that that's what it is. Right. Like nobody is sitting there thinking that jack-o'-lanterns are there's a witch that lives there. Nobody's thinking that you practice witchcraft. Right. Like um, it just they know that of anything, it makes your home more inviting on Halloween because they're like, oh, these people are celebrating. And so therefore we can probably um, go about, you know, knocking and trick or treating and all that kind of stuff. So i don't necessarily side with you if you're boycotting the holiday for those reasons of just sitting there and being like it's a pagan holiday i'm like well yeah that's every holiday i was like the fourth i was like yeah there's lots of them anything you want to add on that no i think that's good i i uh Celebrate the holiday with ambivalence. That that would be my suggestion. That's that's my two cents. And if you're if you lean into it, and you're a Jesus follower, that's fine. Uh, so maybe you found this whole discussion a waste of time. I don't know, but I figured we talk about Halloween. We didn't want to get into the whole, the whole Halloween Hallow's Eve uh, history, although Colton basically. Um, did a broad strokes of that but yeah just just be mindful of it i think it's something it's fine to keep as a very superficial and i think childlike holiday and just keep it keep it like that so we thank you for listening to this halloween episode of the go to hell podcast please subscribe rate and review wherever you're listening to your podcasts so others can find us and if you really love Halloween, well, you're definitely going to hell. Ha!